promised things were going to get a little bit crazy today here in the fast lane. So welcome in. Thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, of course, I don't know what you expect with us here in the fast lane that it's always going to be a little bit hectic and a little bit different and a little bit wild, especially because it's Mardi Gras night. So it's me early. Then I'm heading over to a Mardi Gras party and celebration. And then college basketball tonight. Virginia welcomes Pitt. It's a weeknight, so the Who's are at home. And Virginia Tech hosting Florida State. Uh, by the way, 8.30 airtime, CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app uh, for our Virginia Talk Radio Network coverage of that particular matchup. So we'll, we'll get to all of that momentarily in the fast lane, but there's also a different angle this evening for the first of those two games we discussed, Pitt at Virginia. It's Champions for Literacy, or the better part is championsforlit.org, which is amazing because our next guest alerted me to this. He's an individual that you might know is uh, very passionate about many causes, including literacy, and apparently he wants us to get lit with our kids after all. GP, Gary Parrish of CBS Sports, we welcome him back into the fast lane. GP, I know it's Mardi Gras night, but apparently you and plenty in college hoops want us to get lit with our kids, huh? Yeah, I'll be uh, sitting in studio working all night, triple header, late into the night here in New York, CBS Sports Network, so it sounds like you'll have... Uh, more fun at your Mardi Gras prob- uh, party than, than than the rest of us. I, I, I wish you luck there. Uh, yeah, Virginia Pitt to, uh, uh, is a, is what we call a a fight for literacy game. It's in conjunction with Champions for Literacy, formerly known as Coaching for Literacy. It's a foundation that uh, was founded and it's still rooted and headquartered in my hometown of Memphis for ten years now. They've been using sports to impact childhood reading. What they do is partner with college athletics teams from coast to coast to generate awareness uh, by conducting these fight for literacy games. So far, they've had more than 270 of them. And the next one is tonight's Virginia game against Pitt. What you might notice is Tony Bennett and his staff wearing green, you know, green lapel pins, ties, even shirts maybe during the game. And when they're doing that, what they're doing is trying to bring attention to champions for literacy because according to uh, what is called the nation's report card, Nearly 70% of fourth graders are not reading proficiently, and nearly 35% are not reading at a basic level. That's in the United States of America. This is obviously troubling for lots of different reasons, among them because studies show that children who are not reading at grade level by fourth grade are likely to face challenges with poverty, the justice system, um, struggle obtaining jobs struggle obtaining health care. These are often systemic problems for people in this country, and the problems Champions for Literacy is tackling head-on. Again, I can't thank Tony and his staff for being a part of it. And for anybody interested in learning more about it, I would encourage them to please go to the website. You can reach it at fightforliteracygames.org. That's a full rundown of all the Fight for Literacy games this season fightforliteracygames.org. And championsforlit.org is the site I used as well. So either one of those works. It's encouraging you to get lit with your kids, but the good kind of getting lit, not the kind you might be envisioning on Mardi Gras evening this evening here in the fast lane. Um, GP, by the way, that point on on reading with your kids, I do, I read with mine regularly. I've got two five-and-a-half-year-old boys, and they love reading time, particularly before bedtime. Uh, It calls them down and is very active and yes sometimes when uh when it gets crazy i'll just even read my sports articles sometimes your own articles the top 25 and one which gets them more riled up than it puts them to sleep though 
I understand. Uh, I appreciate the uh, any any sort of attention you could provide the daily rankings. I will say, um, what you're doing is is like important father stuff. Unfortunately, we live in a country where not everybody's parents are taking the time out that you take out or that I take out or that my wife takes out. And so there are kids all over this country who are struggling. We are an advanced nation, the wealthiest, most powerful nation in the country, but we are failing too many young people uh, in this country. Um, again, not all kids are growing up with, with educated parents, with involved parents, and that's where we really need these um, foundations and, and, and these organizations and some structure to, to help the kids that, that aren't uh, as fortunate, and that's what that is what uh, Champions for Literacy is doing. And I should point out that when you raise money in conjunction with these coaching for uh, 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 literacy games, fight for literacy games, rather, that money's not going anywhere other than in the Charlottesville area. That money will be reinvested in your community. And so it, it really is Tony Bennett and his program raising money that's going to help kids who are, are going to be growing up you know, in the in the shadows of that beautiful campus. It's amazing, too, because the Virginia Cavalier is giving their fans another thing to support and get excited about this evening. And uh, that's not something necessarily that Virginia fans envisioned. Back in mid-January, I was down in Winston-Salem for the blowout loss they had at Wake Forest. And uh, at the time, I'll be the first to admit, I did not believe that when that game took place, it'd be the last time the Virginia Cavaliers have lost. They have gotten on a heater since then. GP, did you envision that when Virginia was struggling to win road games up through mid-January that Tony Bennett and his staff would turn it around to this degree that they have? Not necessarily, but only a fool would ever doubt Tony Bennett and his ability to turn anything around as it pertains to coaching a college basketball program. He is quite literally one of the best in the business, a national champion and future Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer. But... Yeah, they started two and three in the ACC. The defense was good, but the offense was shaky. And you just started to wonder, like, you know, uh, how good are they going to be? Um, they're clearly better than they looked uh, in late December, early January. But I, I still do think some skeptics would point out two things. One, this lengthy winning streak is impressive, but also features zero wins over top 30 Ken Palm teams only because, obviously, they haven't been allowed to, to play one in this stretch. Um, but also, the computer numbers are not great. 48 at Ken Palm is, is low, certainly lower than um, where you're going to find uh, Virginia in my top 25 and one. I'm going to respect the resume, and the resume is good, but they're still lacking big wins and still lacking the type of, uh, of, of computer numbers that, that suggest this is actually one of the 10 or 15 or 20, 25 best teams in the country, even if, um, you know, it, it is it is worth taking note of that they haven't lost in a long time. Pitt at Virginia this Tuesday evening. You'll see a lot of green on the sidelines from coaches because it's the Champions for Literacy game. Champions4lit.org to learn more about that when you see all of it and you're Googling and you're checking it out, uh, which is a great cause, by the way. Uh, but you mentioned Virginia and, and the, the resume being good but not spectacular. What does it say then about the ACC, about Tony Bennett and his staff, that while it's not a great ACC once again, they're one of the programs that at least, if nothing else, they can beat those teams, whereas a lot in this conference, they're losing those games they should win. 
Yeah, you know, like I've got Indiana State ranked too, and what some people will look at, I'm not comparing Indiana State to Virginia, but you'll get the point. Some people will look at Indiana State and say, well, you know, they haven't really beaten anybody. They've only got, uh, I want to make sure I get it right and not quote it incorrectly, but Indiana State, because it plays in a league outside of the traditional power structure, isn't given as many opportunities to get big wins as say, a Big 12 school or a Big 10 school. So some people will look at Indiana State and go, well, they've only got one quadrant, one win. And it's true. I can't get around that. But some of that is because they just haven't had that many opportunities to get quadrant one wins, haven't had that many favorable opportunities to get quadrant one wins. But I'm just going to respect the entire body of work. And to your point, beating bad teams consistently is like something to be taken seriously. Like, I, I think we just assume good teams are always supposed to beat bad teams. But uh, if you watch college basketball, you know that that's just not the way the sport works. Good teams lose to bad teams all the time. Ranked teams lose to unranked teams all the time. So when you look at Virginia, you might look at them and go, okay, they only have two quadrant one wins. And that's not great, I agree. But they're still six and four in the first two quadrants with only one loss falling out of that. And they can only beat Duke and North Carolina when they play Duke and North Carolina. In this winning streak, they haven't been allowed to play either one of those teams. But the Carolinas coming up game is coming up on the 24th. Duke came uh, is coming up on March 2nd. They'll have an opportunity to, to get those big wins. Uh, but in the meantime, all you can do, whether you're Virginia or anybody else, is just win the games that are in front of you. And they've been doing that since the middle of January better than just about anybody else in the country. Gary Parrish with us here from CBS Sports. And a pleasure to be speaking with him, talking a little college basketball. Of course, he's at Gary Parrish CBS. His Twitter handle, or X, or whatever we want to call it these days, uh, as Gary is with us in the fast lane. Um, Virginia, they played their way into the NCAA tournament solidly. Right now, is it... Virginia, Carolina, Duke, and Clemson is the only four in the ACC that you would say are tournament-worthy, or is there someone else that you believe is is more solidly in than people project, as foolish as that is, a month or so out from Selection Sunday? Well, obviously North Carolina's safe. Duke is going to be safe. Clemson and Virginia, I think, are going to get there with no problem. I have all four of those ACC schools in the top 25 and one right now, I believe Virginia and Clemson at the very bottom of it, 25 and 26. But still, right now I've got four schools ranked in the top 26 from the ACC. Wake Forest is going to be the other one that could could theoretically build an at-large resume and get there. But the Demon Deacons right now, you know, after losing at Duke last night, are still 0-4 in quadrant one. They're only 5-8 and eight in the first two quadrants and no losses outside of the first two quadrants. So, they're not far from being where they need to be, but I don't believe any power conference school has ever made the NCAA tournament as an at-large bid with zero quadrant one wins. Obviously, this uh, system hasn't been in place long, but still, facts are facts, and you're just not going to be able to get there with zero quadrant one wins. So Wake Forest has work to do. Eventually, you've got to beat some of these other good teams. Anybody can get in the tournament and lose to a good team. Have you shown at any point in your season you can beat good ones? Wake Forest still needs to do that, but if they can do it, this can be a five-bid league. If not, it's probably closer to four. Meanwhile, the teams that are not going to be in the NCAA tournament, barring some kind of miraculous run, uh, include the Virginia Tech Hokies. Um, 
Mike Young's squad, they've struggled to build on the momentum from making the tournament a couple of years ago when they won the ACC Tournament Championship up in New York. Um, what's your assessment overall of where this team is seemingly falling, not drastically short of expectations, but certainly of what fans expect, which is to be a tournament-caliber team each year? I'm sorry. I apologize. You broke up on me just a little bit. Can you repeat that for of, me? Of course. Gary Parrish with us here from CBS Sports and at Gary Parrish CBS. His Twitter handle, he also hosts the Eye on College Basketball podcast. GP, Virginia Tech, fans expect them to be a tournament team regularly, but they've fallen short of that the last couple of years. We're going to presume they don't get it together over the course of this season as they get ready for Florida State 830 airtime CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app this evening. Your assessment overall of the state of the program is people are starting to wonder about that given another disappointing season as it looks in Blacksburg. Yeah, like Mike is respected as one of the you know great X and O coaches, just basketball coaches in the sport. But obviously, you know any coach will tell you that at the end of the day, you if you're going to be in a roster in a league like the ACC, you've got to have a roster that gives you a chance to to compete with you know, the rosters that some of these other very good coaches are going to be able to assemble in a league like this. And, you know, he might have just got caught in a situation where the roster isn't good enough to even allow somebody as talented as him as a coach to to get this program, you know, where I know the fans want it to be. So, you know, when they were sitting here at five and four in the ACC, um, they still weren't great. But at the time, top 60 at Ken Palm and, and above 500 in the league. Since then, you've lost three straight, two of them on the road, but you don't want to lose road games to Notre Dame. That's one of the places where if you're good, you're supposed to be able to go and win. So, um, yeah, I understand the, the fan base's frustration. I still still think um, Mike is capable of getting that job done. But uh, as anybody will tell you, uh, the job of being an ACC basketball coach is not just being able to draw up great you know, plays out of bounds and coming up with good game plans. You've got to also have the players. And, um, you know, that's arguably the most important part of it. couple questions left with Gary Parrish of CBS Sports. He's a college basketball analyst and reporter, and he's at Gary Parrish CBS on Twitter and joining us in the fast lane. One is the Liberty Flames. They've found a little bit of mojo. They're back to 500 in Conference USA action. Granted, offense is a little harder to get when you don't have Darius McGee bombing threes like he's done the last handful of years since he's no longer eligible to play for Liberty. Um, Do you see Richie McKay and this team finding the right track, even with the team that's trained transitioning from the A-Sun to Conference USA? Yeah, like, listen, I know what you're used to, uh, and then you see 5-5 five and five in Conference USA. That's not great, but it was an upgrade in leagues, and there's usually an adjustment to be made there. If you look at Loyola Chicago just a few years ago, and from going from a Final Four team, they upgrade leagues, go from the NBC to the Atlantic 10, and that's been a tough transition for them. But I will say that, you know, Liberty still has, the second best Ken Palm ranking in Conference USA at 103. And what that suggests is that regardless of what happens between now and that conference tournament, um, at least in the betting markets, they're probably going to have a puncher's chance to try to get an automatic bid. Obviously, that's what it's going to take for them to get to the NCAA tournament. But I wouldn't rule it out. I know the record's not what Liberty fans want it to be and certainly not you know what Liberty fans were used to as recently as last year. But that's still a, you know, a, borderline top 100 caliber basketball team. And if you're a borderline top 100 caliber basketball team in Conference USA, you you might have a chance to win that conference tournament. Meanwhile, JMU, 
are they in a spot where they need to win the Sun Belt tournament, or if they manage to play Appalachian State, who's been a strong team for so much of the year as well, if that's a a Sun Belt championship final matchup, is that league capable of getting multiple bids? It's capable, but I wouldn't plan for that. I wouldn't bet on that. You know, they started fourteen and zero, and they're still twenty-two and three. But you know what that shows is that they're just eight and three in their past eleven. Um, outside of the top sixty at Ken Palm, outside of the top fifty in the net, these are not the type of computer numbers that um, make the committee give you the benefit of the doubt. Then you start looking at the resume. They're just two and one in the first two quadrants. They do have two quadrant three losses. I think this is a a good team, clearly good enough to beat good people. They went to Michigan State, won to open the season, but they probably put themselves in a position now where, barring a surprise, they're going to have to win their conference tournament to get an automatic bid. It's going to be very difficult to get an at-large bid with that resume and with those computer numbers. The reality is there. He outlines it regularly in the Eye on College Basketball podcast and at CBSSports.com. Gary Parrish with us in the fast lane. GP, thanks again for your time today, and we'll be thinking of you and, more importantly, the great uh, initiatives that are being raised in terms of awareness and funds when everybody's donning green for Pitt UVA tonight in that Champions for Literacy game. Hey, I appreciate you bringing attention to it. Again, the foundation is Champions for Literacy, and you can find that website, championsforlit.org. That's championsforlit.org. That's a great... Last second reminder from Gary Parrish with us in the fast lane. By the way, I love reading with my kids. It took me until I got to the point where in high school, I wasn't a big reader growing up, and it was never really introduced to me in a fun way. It was always work, 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 read, read, read. And it wasn't until in, I love kids' books now since I have kids. It's awesome. It's fun, and I've gotten more into reading. But when I was that age, it was not what the teacher wanted. It was when I had teachers who said, you know what, you can get some extra credit and some points. If you find books you like, read them and then do a report on it. And it it was it was one of those powerful teacher exercises because it got me in the habit of wanting to read what I wanted to read, developing that love for reading, and it's paid off immensely, and that's really cool. What's also neat is I got a church Mardi Gras party to do it, party to attend. So I'm out when we come back. Trey will take back over for me. Fast Five at Five-ish and EKH, Evan K. Hughes, voice of the Virginia Tech Lady Okies, all still to come. This is the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.